sip of tea here. Uh, this tea. Mm. I got this local honey. It's not really doing anything for my tea, but we'll soldier on. Anyway, okay. <clears throat> Hello world, welcome back to the Flores and Friends podcast. Today's episode takes place in a galaxy far, far away, but luckily I'm joined by my trusty co-pilot, who's not a Wookiee, but is almost as hairy as one, Benjamin Alexander Casson. How are you doing tonight? I'm good. I'm good. I'm, I'm, I'm getting ready for Rise of Skywalker. I know. Please don't take that as a slight. I love your manliness. I, I would never have taken it any other way. Exactly. Uh, it's because I watched Solo today, but we'll get to that. <laughs> so I think it's fair that anyone who's listened to this pod on the regular knows that at least I am a huge Star Wars fan. And then the number of times that you've been on, Ben, I think it's clear that both of us are big Star Wars fans. It's probably the nearest and dearest pop culture media franchise like to me. Like I love Spider-Man. I love Marvel. I love Batman. I love a whole bunch of different things. Like I love Street Fighter. I love Doctor Who. But everybody but everybody takes a backseat to Star Wars. Where does it stand in your heart, I guess? Well, you know, I guess the easiest, most straightforward way for me to talk about my relationship with Star Wars is that I only have one pop culture tattoo on my body and it's of the rebel starboard um so (laughs) rebel scum (laughs) so leading up to episode nine this will be going out on the 11th this is part one of episode 70 part two will be coming out the wednesday the 18th the wednesday before episode nine releases on that friday so Ben and I are going to – we're going to do a gauntlet here, man. We're going to go on the journey. We're going to talk about the entire Skywalker saga that has been released so far along with the two anthology films. On this part one, we'll be talking about the prequels, unfortunately, and the two anthology films. So we're going chronological order. Spoiler alert for everything. First off, if you haven't seen the prequels, I mean I understand, but I mean they've all been out like what? Episode 1 came out 20 years ago, and Episode 3 came out 14 years ago. So, yeah, man, if you haven't seen those by now, we are going to talk about, uh, not strictly review, but we are going to talk about Solo, which came out in 2018, I want to say, and uh, Rogue One, which came out in 2016. So, we're going to save the Holy Trilogy, and then we're going to talk about Force Awakens and The Last Jedi on Part 2. So, without anything further ado, you ready, Ben? So the general premise of our discussion with each episode, each film, is going not necessarily be a review like I said, but because we could do – I mean, fuck, Ben. We could probably do 30 to 45 minutes easy on every single Star Wars film. Yes. Um, So what we're going to do is to simplify it because we could talk, like I said, all day on each film. We're going to offer up what we love the most about each film, and then we're also going to offer up our least favorite or what we dislike or what we hate about this film. We're, we're each going to do one each. We're probably, you know, we're going to discuss like a few possibilities for each one. And then we're finally going to settle on one, but that's, that's the general premise that we're going to, that we've settled on. And I think it's, a, I think it'll work. I think it's a very streamlined scheme. What do you think? Yeah, I think, I think that's a good way to, to do it. And it's, uh, it's going to be really interesting. I know it was hard for me to think about what my favorite part of these prequel movies was because there's not a lot yeah. uh, going for them. Yeah. 
Well, let's get started then. First up, you can't. You, we have to start with episode one, The Phantom Menace. I rewatched all of these, you know, earlier this week. Ben, you rewatched, I think, four out of the five that we had to watch for this episode. But we've seen we've seen each of these. I mean, I've seen episode one, especially as a kid. When I got the VHS of episode one, I probably watched it at least once a month. So I've seen episode one so many times. But this is the first time I saw episode one, two, and three in high definition on Disney Plus, which is awesome. And I got to say, man, they look well. Parts of all three films look incredible. Other parts, not so much. But let's let's talk about episode one, man. Uh, it's 20 years. Is it getting any better for you? Or worse, or the same. Honestly, I think it's getting closer for me. So eh, I, I might be jumping ahead a little bit, but for me, like I, when I was watching these, like my my ranking is usually has uh, um, Revenge of the Sith uh, as the best of the prequel movies. Yeah, but upon rewatches. I think that Phantom Menace is closer to that level than I previously gave it credit for. Yeah. I think I texted you, because I was texting you while I was watching all these. I gotta say, man, like, we're gonna get to our selections for love and hate here, but, like, I was just impressed, like, how, I guess, like, the first five to ten minutes of that film, you know, Obi-Wan and, you know, uh, Qui-Gon land on the Trade Federation ship, and then shit goes down. I was like, you know, maybe this film is legit. And then you get to Naboo, and then I'm like, oh, wait, no. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, I, and I told you, I think I, when I finished episode one, I think I texted you right after. I keep watching it as an adult. Like, as a kid, I didn't care. It was just Star Wars. But as an adult, I keep watching it hoping, hoping one day it'll click, and I'll be like, wow, this film's amazing. But unfortunately, that day has not come. But I'm still hopeful, you know. It's a big theme in Star Wars is hope. And I'm hopeful that one day, maybe when I watch it with a niece or nephew or, you know, who Lord knows, a child of my own that is not some illegitimate child of mine. But who the hell cares? Anyway, what I'm trying to say is maybe when I watch it with a child, I'll, I'll, I'll appreciate it more. Have, I think you're going to introduce Emmy to, the, to these, like, first three. I mean, probably sooner rather than later. Yeah, know. she'll be a uh, four next year. I think I watched mm-hmm. the Holy Trilogy when I was like four, three or four ish. Yeah, yeah. There's, I mean, I don't know because there's like I remember growing up and watching the movies, and I remember like actually being like legitimately scared. Yeah, watching, uh, watching uh, Empire. Yeah, definitely. You know? Yeah. Yeah, that's got a lot of intensity to it, which we'll cover in part two. But yeah, episode one has like Darth Maul. It has Qui-Gon's death. It has like, it has some pretty intense scenes and stuff. And, uh, but it also has some utterly ridiculous awfulness in it. So let's, let's get to the meat. Let's get to the nitty gritty here. How about you go first? What do you want to start with? Love or hate? The, I mean, I guess we can get love out the way because there's a lot to hate about this film. Yes. Yeah. That okay. sounds good. So I know you said it was a struggle, but what did you settle on as like what you loved or liked or favored the most about this film? I, I, I really liked, I guess there's two things that I would want to talk about for this. I really liked Duel of the Fates. Uh, yeah. The, 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 the epic lightsaber fight between Obi-Wan, Qui-Gon, and Darth Maul. Especially the uh, score, the, the, the actual track, Duel of Fates. It's classic. Yes. Yes. And then, uh, Pod Racing. 
Yeah, you were always really big on this. I remember when we first talked about the prequels together. You really enjoy the pod racing scene. Why do you why do you feel like you enjoy it so much? It's one of the only times in these prequel movies where they added something that like genuinely made things more interesting. Yeah. You know, like it adds like this whole thing to Tatooine which we were familiar with, that we didn't know about before. You know, it gives you some backstory, uh, or it implies, I guess, some backstory into the Huts and uh, and their role in this, you know, high-stakes gambling operation. Yeah. Basically. To be fair, I guess I like the concept a lot, because a lot of the actual pod racing stuff is kind of, like, stupid, uh, like, things that happen, (laughs) (laughs) you know, but just that, like, but the concept, though, is is neat. You know, I thought about, this never clicked with me, it only really clicked with me this first time, uh, I'm sorry, this time that I watched earlier, uh, last, (laughs) this past week, but I realized that it's, like, I, I guess I always assumed it was, like, like, obviously... A uh, little backstory on George Lucas. He's a really big car guy. He grew up in California and he he raced cars. Like if you watch American Graffiti, it's very much about car car culture. But I always just assumed it was you know automobiles or car racing or you know NASCAR adjacent similar. But honestly, what it really is is it's chariot racing. Like that's basically what pod racing is. And I I don't oh, know yeah. why that never clicked with me. But it was like the visual of Sebulba bashing his pod against uh, or Anakin's. That's when I was like, oh, this is just, this is just fucking like Ben Hur oh, yeah. chariot racing. Like, why did this never click to me? I don't know why. I guess it was just, I, since it was mechanical, I assumed automobile, but yeah, it's just, it's just chariot racing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, 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 I like it. It's interesting. Uh, this might be a theme, especially through the prequels, because as we all know, or as, as Ben and I know, and people familiar may know, but people who are not, George Lucas directed all three prequels and he wrote he got sole credit of writing on episode one and episode three. Didn't realize, just realized this rewatch that he did have help on writing Attack of the Clones. But we're going to get on to Attack of the Clones in a little bit because if you guys think we're going to be harsh on Phantom Menace, just wait till we get to Attack of the Clones. So yeah, pod racing's fun. But I noticed this in a lot of George Lucas's of the prequels is some of the best parts of each prequel is where there's no dialogue whatsoever and it's just action or visual yeah i think i I think that's very clear and i think we can agree on that because he has a he has a pretty good eye for action and visual and like Uh very kinetic very like i think i mentioned to you his third acts are really good because it's very action-packed and it's like high Mm -hmm. stakes and stuff like that and the pod racing is high stakes so it's very he has a good eye with that it's just you know everything else like dialogue (laughs) and comedy and love stories that he has Uh he seems to struggle with and and general direction and general direction I wrote notes on each of these films while I was watching it. Uh, Duel of Fates was my number one. I knew that was going to probably be like on both of our uh, lists uh, per se because Duel of Fates is like probably the greatest lightsaber fight. It's definitely the highlight of this film. It's it's arguably the highlight of the prequels and it might be the best lightsaber fight outside of Luke and Vader and Empire. For me, that's because that fight has just so much emotion to it, and it's, like, brilliantly shot and choreographed, you know. For me, I really like the lightsaber battle in um, 
Last Jedi. Oh, I really like that one. We'll talk about that down the line because I'm 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 not I'm I'm okay with it. I'm not like thrilled. I wasn't that thrilled by it. But anyway, I think my favorite thing about this, and I kind of teased it a little earlier, was the production design and the visuals of Phantom Menace are incredible. Like I'm just like this film looks gorgeous. Except giant asterisk, giant fucking asterisk on the Gungans. They look terrible. They will always look like trash. Oh my god. In this HD, like high definition, my nice television on Disney Plus, Jar Jar Binks, Boss Nass, or whatever the fuck that dude's name is. All of the Gungans look like trash. Oh, and Watto too. Watto oh, yeah. also looks like trash in high definition. It's really funny how those like thinly veiled racist caricatures that he decided to just incorporate into the Star Wars universe all look really terrible up close. But, you know, that's a pod, that's a different pod, all right? Um, podcast, not pod racer, uh, just for, just to be clear. But it's really gorgeous. Like, I really liked it. And you can tell that, like, it's, it's physically built. Most of the sets look real and they look very, like, tangible and, Especially, uh, the Naboo, I guess Naboo Castle, the, the bay where they're, where Darth Maul, uh, Obi-Wan and, and Qui-Gon fight. You know, a lot of it feels real. And the other great thing about it, and he gets away from both of these in episode two and episode three, it was shot on film. Like George Lucas and Attack of the Clones went heavy CGI set and he shot digitally. He did that for episode two and three. And it's, it's very noticeable and it's, it, I, I think it's to a, I think it's to not to their benefit. I think it's to their detriment because I really enjoy the way, look, I, I could talk all day about the qualities, the benefits and the cons of digital film versus, you know, photographic film, which is, which is the way he shot Phantom Menace. I think that the, my favorite aspect outside of Duel of Fates, of course, Phantom Menace is the visuals. Tatooine looks great. Naboo looks great. Coruscant looks great. All these sets, all these visuals, his, his visual design, his production design is impeccable in this film. And it really is enhanced by the fact that it's shot on film. I think that, like, that is my favorite through line throughout the entire, throughout all of Phantom Menace. What do you think about all that? Well, I'll be honest with you. When I rewatched these, I was, uh, I, I kind of, I was working on something else. So I had them on in the background. So it was, mostly as a refresher, so I wasn't paying attention to a lot of those kind of details. So I don't know. I mean, I, uh, I, I, I know that in general, in these prequels, uh, George Lucas, like, fucking went hard into, uh, CG. Yeah. Um, and used it, like, in every case he could, like... Fun fact, anytime you see a clone trooper, they are CG. There was never a manufactured piece of clone trooper armor that was ever made for the prequels. That's so disheartening. Yeah. The, the practical effects are what makes, or a lot of what makes um, the, the original trilogy, you know, hold up so well. is because they're, they're practical. Like, they look exactly as good as they looked when the movie came out. Because, yeah. like... Those, those don't age. Like, they're just like, oh yeah, cool. This is still awesome. Yeah. And you can tell that they embraced it in the new sequel trilogy. Yes. Like, JJ shot The Force Awakens and Ryan Johnson shot The Last Jedi on film. And there was a lot of production design, physical production design in those while enhanced by CGI, but 
a lot of like speaking of that fight in the last jedi as i came to find out the entire throne room where kylo ren and ray fight the royal uh snoke's guards all of that was built all of that was real the fire was real like everything was real and it's so much better like you really don't appreciate it until you see how crappy and again we're talking about attack of the clones came out 2002 uh revenge of the sith came out 2005 we're not we're talking about like a decade after jurassic park came out so cgi while today it is reached a new pinnacle back then he really was pushing the limits and oh boy it shows um okay let's move on to the let's let's move on to the big one let's let's talk about what we hate about this film or dislike the most i'll allow you to go first although i have one that is just i i made it very clear when i was texting you about it like and we we okay let's get it out the way jar jar yes Okay, we understand that. We're not going to dwell on Jar Jar. I think we all agree. Everyone agrees that, in general, Jar Jar is awful. But we're not going to focus on Jar Jar. Let's talk about something other than Jar Jar. Yeah. Ooh, I don't know. There's just so much bad about the movie. There's, oh, man. I guess I can talk about how just straight-up racist a lot of it is. Yeah, thinly veiled. Very thinly veiled. Yeah, I, I don't even know if there's a veil on a lot of it. There's, like, the uh, the Trade Federation are, I, I guess he thought he could get away with it because Viceroy, aliens. Yeah, Viceroy Gunray and the the alien race that runs the Trade Federation. The, I mean, it's, it's, just a, it's just caricatures. Like, they even have Asian accents. Like, it's just yeah. caricatures of that. And then, of course, they're a Trade Federation. Yeah. Like... You know, and they and and they use like an unfair blockade and are trying to skirt the rules and things like that. Yeah, and then and then you have Watto. and then you you have Watto, who is a very thinly veiled caricature of of a Jew, even down to the giant nose and body hair. Yeah, um, he's kind of a swindler and he's kind of a trickster when it comes to business and he's always trying to scam people over so it reinforces those negative characteristic stereotypes as well Mm -hmm. and then you have the um gungans and it's just yeah it's definitely jamaican caribbean kind of yeah and they're like they walk funny they talk funny they're all stupid and they have this Oh, it's it, it it is it's glaring in this in this movie more than any of the other ones in the prequel trilogy. It is just like in your face. Yeah, well, I think there's a logic, there's a method behind that. There's a logic behind that because I noticed that I'll just speak about the Trade Federation guys real quick. I really think it's the accent, like it's very overtly mm-hmm. like Fu Manchu, like 1950s and 60s Asian yellow face kind of accent and stuff but if you notice like i paid attention to this because you mentioned it to me because i didn't really you know i I was i'm aware of it but i didn't dwell on it like when i was when i would watch in the past but i was really keeping an eye on it this time after he got so much shit for this when it first came out i mean he got a lot of shit about phantom menace for several things but this was a big sticking point with a lot of people fans and critics you notice in episode two and episode three there's way less jar jar there's way less Watto. I don't even think he shows up in episode three. And then the, the, the trade federation guys are very, very diminished capacity and their voices are ever so noticeably different, especially the trade federation guys. So I think 
you know, we, he got a lot of free reign when it came to the prequels, but I think somebody stepped in and was like, yo, George, hey, man, <laughs> look, I know you, you, you claim you're like, you're claiming that this isn't racist and people are just projecting onto it, but maybe we should, you know, like, scale it back, scale it back a bit, man, scale it back, course correct. <laughs> yeah, man, I can't argue with that because it's, it's pretty bad. Like, especially in 2019, it's very bad in 2019, even in 1999. There were people like, whoa, what the fuck is this? <laughs> I, I will touch on Jar Jar a little bit. I can forgive Jar Jar now after years of putting up with it because I've just accepted it. I've just resigned myself to it. Like, it's just a very awkward, terrible part of the film. Like, the character is just a very, all right, fine, fuck it. But I think that, I think he wouldn't have gotten so much shit Stood, I think, I don't think he would have stood out as being as awful as he is if for one major fact. And I think it's because everyone else in the film is just giving the worst performance. My big dislike, hate about this film is the acting is flat, lifeless, and just terrible. Like, I honestly, it, it perplexes me because Ewan McGregor, Natalie Portman, and fucking Liam Neeson, all really good actors. We've seen them in other things. And they're great. Like, fucking Ewan McGregor's a great actor. Liam Neeson is one of the best. I mean, he's done some, said some problematic shit as of recently. But, you know, like, as an actor, he's legitimately great. And Natalie Portman has a fucking Oscar. Like, they're just not good. But, okay, so I'm about to go on my little Phantom Menace tangent here that'll probably bleed over into attack of the clones as well but like (laughs) the writing is so bad like the writing of this film the dialogue is so bad like it's not the story structure per se because there's this like you and i were talking about protagonist issues and murky kind of story structure in this i mean we talked about this recently and in the past but like i can kind of forgive that because all like a new hope empire strikes back they're not all perfectly uh, structured uh so i can kind of forgive that but the writing the dialogue the interact the interaction between characters is so bad it's so bad so these these actors were kind of hamstrung i don't blame them i blame george lucas because like they were given nothing to work with here and as you and I both kind of agree on, and I think a lot of people agree on, George Lucas doesn't give a fuck about acting. Like, he really doesn't give a fuck about acting. I think Mark Hamill, you know, Harrison Ford, Carrie Fisher, you know, fucking Peter Cushing, James Earl Jones, all those great performances in A New Hope were probably exceeding expectations. Like, they were, yes. they were succeeding despite George Lucas's terrible writing and terrible direction. Like, uh-huh. It's just bad. It's just so bad. The only person who seems to be having a good time giving any kind of flair in Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones to a lesser extent, but definitely in, in Revenge of the Sith, Revenge of the Sith is Ian McDermott. Like he's the only one in these films that is actually like, Oh, he's actually giving a good performance. He's actually like, Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. He's, he's having fun. He's doing, he's actually has some character and life. To him, Natalie Portman, especially, and, and fucking Liam Neeson too. Obi Wan doesn't get a lot of shine, especially in the middle. But like, they're so flat and just—it really felt like they just did a table reading kind of delivery. Yeah, and it's so bad. Yeah, Ugh, it's terrible. It's so bad, dude. Like it won't. It just won't. And so what I was saying about Jar Jar—I know we weren't going to dwell on him, but like, 
I think that if the performances around Jar Jar were better, people would just be like, eh, you know, you, you take the good with the bad here. But I think it's because everything around Jar Jar is flat and lifeless. It makes him stand out like a sore fucking thumb. And the, and the bad thing about that is I'm at best. Oh, poor Ahmed Best. He did, like, literally, he did the best that he could do yeah. with that character. Yeah. He, I mean, yes, Ian, Ian McDermott, but also him, like, yeah. that's exactly what, for whatever reason, that's exactly what George Lucas was looking for. Like, yeah. he nailed that role. It's a shitty role, but he nailed it. Yeah, the, the material's awful. The characterization's awful. I, I came to find out, I'm listening, I'm also listening to a separate podcast, The Ringer's uh, Binge Mode, and they're doing a Star Wars marathon, but they're doing episode by episode, and they're dwelling on, they're doing like side pods on like character studies and stuff. Anyway, I found this out and listening to their Phantom Menace pod. He wasn't originally going to do the voice. They were, the voice was going to get replaced by someone else, but George Lucas liked his performance so much that he was like, no, this is the guy. And poor Ahmed Best, like, he was so invested in this role. He was so excited about being in Star Wars. They, he kept, everyone in the production kept telling him Jar Jar was going to be the star of the show. He was going to steal the movie from everybody. And boy, did that go the complete opposite direction. And poor dude even came out later on and was like, I was suicidal. It almost, it made me suicidal. Like, I was that depressed about the reaction. And it's just like, damn. Like, I, I don't, I never blamed Ahmed Best. Fucking George Lucas, dude. Jesus I fucking know. Christ. Yeah. And speaking of actors and having their shit fucked up because of that movie, Jake Lloyd. Another one, yeah. Like, I don't even blame Jake Lloyd. He's he's not that good in it, but he's like nine. He's like nine. It's like, he's given nothing. Oh my God. He's so, oh my God. It's so bad, Ben. It, it, it doesn't get any better. Like, even after years, it's just still awful, dude. Yeah. And like, Shmi Skywalker, I can't remember the actress's name off the top of my head, but... She's kind of detached and lifeless. Even when her, she's like, I'm so worried about my son pod racing. It's so dangerous. It's like, are you though? Cause you're not really getting off these vibes. And it's so weird. Like, it's really sad. And I'll close out on this that Darth Maul has three lines of dialogue. And they're like, I mean, it's Peter Serafinowicz is doing the voice while Ray Park, he's, he's the physical performance of Darth Maul and Peter Serafinowicz is the voice. Like, even those three lines, I'm just like, see, now that's actually got some character in it. Why does Darth Maul not talk more? Even though he's fucking cool. Like we said, Duel Fates is a fucking highlight of the entire franchise. Like, that is, will forever be, like, one of the best things that George Lucas has ever produced. And, again, another action sequence with very little dialogue, but a lot of action and visual storytelling. That's excellent. And, of course, John Williams, Johnny Will the Gods. School. Yes. So yeah, man. So that's Phantom Menace. You have anything left to say, or you want to move on to? Uh, you want to move on to Attack of the Clones? Yeah, I mean, I have general things to say, but I feel like I can talk. I can, you know, that can be a discussion about the prequels as a whole. Like, it's not like specifically this movie. It's like yeah. kind of the whole arching story of yeah the prequels. So before we close off on this one and go on to the next one, what would you, you know, standard U.S. grading scale, like A plus to like F, you know, what would you give Phantom Menace? I would probably give it a C minus. Oh my God, that's exactly what I have written down. <laughs> like you passed, but barely. Yeah, and I'm like, it's not unwatchable. I think neither, none of these prequel films as bad as they are are technically unwatchable, but also like, 
I don't get excited about them. Like I'll rewatch the I'll rewatch the Holy Trilogy and the newest movies. You know, especially with Disney Plus now, I might just watch them just for fun. And the anthology films, maybe not Solo, but Rogue One, I watched a few weeks back, like a month or so ago back, just for fun. I'm not watching any of these prequels just for fun, man. Like I don't, I don't, I don't even know. Like I own all of the films except the anthology films because I don't really feel the need to own those. But I don't own the prequels on like Blu-ray because. I'm not going to be like, oh boy, I need to watch these films right away. Like, mm-hmm. mm, I'm, I'm all right. I'm, I'm good. <laughs> uh, so yeah, C minus here too. So officially, according to the experts at the Flores and Friends podcast, Phantom Menace, it gets a C minus. <laughs> anyway, let's move on to the, what some would argue is the low point of the entire franchise, episode two, Attack of the Clones. Okay, I'll go first on this one. Okay. I'll talk about what I love and like about it. And I'm, I'm very biased on this one. My favorite thing is, as anyone who knows me, I love Obi-Wan Kenobi. He's probably my favorite character in the entire, like, especially the, the prequel trilogy. He's my favorite character in the prequel trilogy. And, you know, I really, I love me some Sir Alec Guinness in the holy trilogy here. I really think Ewan McGregor as Obi-Wan is my favorite part of this movie. And because you have to think about this. I honestly think his experience with Phantom Menace, I think he incorporated that with, if I'm going to be good in this film, I have to rise above the material. And I honestly believe Obi-Wan is the only actor, again, outside of Ian McDiarmid, who actually like delivers in this film. And, and I think it's more impressive because when you think back, he talks to Dexter Jetster. He talks to the Camino, uh, Caminoans? I think they're Caminoans. Yeah. A lot of the film, he's talking to CGI characters, or he's talking to a droid, and he has the great scene with well, great, but he has the very well done scene of talking to Jango Fett and you know Boba. But he's he's doing a lot of this film on his own, and he's like on a you know on a detective case, I guess more or less. And I really think that Obi Wan, I think he's my yeah, he's definitely my favorite part of this film. I do not have many good things to say about this film so yeah i'm gonna go with ewan mcgregor i really think that this was when i was like you know what obi-wan's a really cool character because i was like i was like 12 when i when this movie came out and i was like i think i really like obi-wan and he's he's just the best he's just so good in this film even though there's some like there's some pretty you know cheesy moments in it but i I really really love obi-wan in this film what would you say if you have again if you don't have anything good to say about this film i completely understand but do you have anything you really liked or like about this film so the thing that comes to mind isn't something that i actually like it's just something that i find fucking hilarious okay every time i watch it okay and it's it's about it's going to be hyper specific so get ready all right so in the battle uh when all of the jedi come out and they fight uh all of the uh geonosians and the droids and stuff in the uh coliseum yeah great scene i really i really enjoy seeing the droids versus the jedi but that's very brief it's like five minutes in the entire (laughs) movie so there's one part where C-3PO's head is on the uh, battle droid's oh body, gosh. and <laughs> fucking they have Kit Fisto on screen, and and he uh, and he force pushes this battle half C-3PO battle droid over, yeah, um, and then he has this stupid smile. They cut back to him. They cut back to him so he can have this ridiculous <laughs> smile, oh and then he God. just runs off screen. It is the funniest fucking. It cracks me up every time. Unintentional I, comedy. 
Oh man, I don't know. It, it might be intentional, but oh man, it is it is genuinely hilarious to me every time. On a serious note, probably the thing that I like the most about this movie is Dooku is a cool villain. Um, yeah. And Christopher Lee is the shit. Yeah. It's a shame he was, I mean, I love me some Christopher Lee here. And, you know, I'm, I, I don't know if I've ever mentioned this, but I do really enjoy the Hammer and, uh, fuck, what is it? Hammer. It's the, the, the horror films, the, the, the horror films he did with Peter Cushing, you know, Dracula, Frankenstein, all those and all that stuff. Hammers and Rogers, no, Hammers and Stein, I think. I can't, um, it's late, guys. I'm sorry. But, so I love me some, some Christopher Lee, but he's very old at this point in his career. And so, you know, standing, talking, delivering lines, you know, he's fine, but some of the action scenes, you could tell they, like, digitally put, like, some, his head on someone else's body, so. That was that was kind of thing, but he is a really cool, very interesting character who's given not much to do. Like shows up like over over an hour into the film, and I don't know. Yeah, it, it's also really bizarre having Dooku like that because we've we've established, and this is gonna get this is gonna get real nerdy, but so we've established the rule of two. Yeah. At this point. And so. But for anyone who's not familiar with the rule of two, would you care to elaborate? So the rule of two is basically the fact that at any given point in time, there are only two Sith. Yeah. Uh, in the galaxy. There's a master and an apprentice. Yeah. And so Yoda talks about that. At the end of Phantom Menace, I believe. Yeah. Okay. And it's really bizarre the way they do this because so. In Phantom Menace, we had Darth Sidious and um, Darth Maul. Yeah. And then you introduce Dooku, who is at least as old as Sidious is, um, I would say. I don't know that. I'm sure that I could look that up and find out. Probably, yeah. Fuck, he might even be older. (laughs) Yeah. And he was apparently a Jedi before because they talk about it in the movie that Yoda was his master. Yeah. And he was Qui-Gon's master, right? Yeah. Does he, he was, say something? He mentions when he has Obi-Wan captured that Dooku, he's like, he trained Qui-Gon like Qui-Gon trained Obi-Wan. So, mm-hmm. I, yeah. So. And, and then at some point, they, they, they don't talk about it at all, but at some point they, you know, they're like, oh, this guy's shitty. Like they just kind of realize that at some point. <laughs> and, and, you know, and it's not really explained. And, and I, don't, I don't really need it to be because at that point I'm just kind of being greedy about like, well, you didn't give me enough information, yeah. but like some of it just doesn't add up. Like Qui-Gon was on the high council right no qui-gon wasn't obi-wan says in phantom menace he's like if you would just play along and st- toe the line you could be a member of the council he was the rebellious uh, one okay 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 i only remember all this because i just rewatched it otherwise i would be like was he i don't know but yes he no i'm sorry no he was not on the council because he was so stubborn and rebellious to okay. the jedi council so okay okay but anyway, he was like generally, you know, well respected and like a kind of a big deal yeah. within the Jedi Order. And so you would think that like his master would also, you know, have some sort of a role to play somewhere previously. Yeah. But they just throw him in there. They say at some point, I guess, he turned to the dark side. Yeah. And then 
I don't know, just the age thing just throws me because it's like, so you turn to the dark side at some point, and then you continue to study the Force, and Sidious takes you as his apprentice, but you're old, and so this must happen after Darth Maul is killed. Yeah. Well, the Clone Army was started 10 years before Attack of Clones, which is like right when Phantom Menace is happening. So if Count Dooku was involved, I think from from external source material that is canon, I think that he was involved in the creation of the Clone Army some way. Him and sifo it's very complicated. I don't ever think they've really explicitly said how that fucking came about. But I think that uh, either Dooku was just a guy who left the Jedi Order and was kind of cool with Darth Sidious slash Sheev Palpatine, or he was also an apprentice at the same time as Darth Maul, which kind of throws a monkey wrench into the rule of two. It's fucking stupid. George Lucas didn't really think this through. Yes, it's very true. Uh, okay, so I'm going to go off for a minute because it's it's time to talk about what I hate the most about Attack of Clones. And I'll start by saying I hate this film. Like, I actively hate this film. It is the bottom of my list. It is so bad. It has so little merit to it. And it is just awful. Like, you literally got, like, four text messages in a row when I was watching this of just me like, uh, oh my god, come on, this is so bad. I think one thing that I did mention was the political intrigue, the way Palpatine's playing, being Puppet Master here, that's always very interesting. And that's very interesting about the entire prequel trilogy. But my thing that I hate the most about this, it's not necessarily acting. I don't want to single anyone out, even though Hayden Christensen, eh. Natalie Portman, ugh. Uh, it's the love story. It is so bad. It is so fucking poorly written. There's no chemistry. Like, wh- like the writing is so terrible. Every scene where Padme and Anakin are conversing, and let's, I guess, assume and call it flirting? I guess? Sure? I guess when they're on Naboo, yeah, all right. But what I can't get over with 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 the whole love story, because this is the main focus. Like honestly, I think George Lucas has said explicitly that Attack of Clones is a, is a love story, and to which I say, well, then your fil- your film failed at, on premise. Because like if it's a love story, the love story is awful. It's just it's just got so much fuckery in it. But what I need, if I had the op, if I had the opportunity to talk to George Lucas about this, and I would be very respectful because I do appreciate what this man has given us, Star Wars and outside of Star Wars. Why does Padme even love Anakin? Like they, they met 10 years ago for like what, what, Phantom Menace takes place, what, over a week? And then they didn't see each other for like 10 years. And then he just shows up older. He's still like, Anakin Skywalker's a fucking creep. Yes. He's legitimately a creep. Like, yes. he's like, he's like a Jedi incel. He's never had sex. He's never really done anything. And he's obsessed <laughs> over a girl he met 10 years ago and had a crush on her and dreams about her and is oh, infatuated yeah. and with her. And that's one of the first lines he says to her. He's yeah. like, you look, you look exactly the way I remember you in my dreams. And yeah. it's just like, <laughs> You like okay? There's two other lines that stand out that just that just I'm just like, is this what George Lucas thinks is romance? But like, so Padme's in a room, Anakin's on stakeout because there's a bounty hunter trying to kill Padme, and so Obi Wan comes up, he's like, "What's going on in there?" He's like, "Well, she's safe, but she turned off the cameras." He goes, oh, "Okay," and Anakin goes, "I don't think he she liked me watching her." 
Red flag number one. Red flag number two was when they're talking and Anakin like gets up and she's like, you've grown Anakin. And he's like, I have grown. And he's like, stands up and he starts looking at her in a very weird, borderline sinister way. And she's like, don't look at me like that. And he's like, why not? And she's like, it makes me uncomfortable. What is that? What is that? That is fucking creepy. He's a creep. And then let's talk about something else with Attack of the Clones. Not only is Anakin a creep, he's a sociopathic murderer. Let's talk about the fact that, okay, so when they kiss on Naboo, that just comes out of nowhere. Like, why is she kissing him? Why would she kiss him? Nothing at that point had been like, at all, she had been like, man, I'm really feeling this, like, on a physical, passionate level. Like, there's no hint of that at all. Like, she literally says, like, what, five minutes before, you're making me uncomfortable with that look. Like, are we, I guess we're supposed to imply that you're ruffling her feathers, you're getting her hot and bothered with that look. But she, the delivery comes off as, you're creeping me out with that look. Anyway, so let's not even talk about that kiss, where he hates sand, but he likes her because she's smooth. <laughs> and then he makes out with her, and she's like, oh no, this is bad, we can't do this. And let's just skip over the whole, we can't be with each other, we can't do this in secret because it would destroy us. And he's like, but you do feel something. And it's so fucking awful, the writing is terrible, the, the, the blocking is terrible, the shots are terrible. Everything about their dinner with the fucking pair and then them <laughs> sitting by the fireplace talking about their feelings is fucking stupid and awful and poorly written and terrible performances. I hate Don't this film. about the picnic. Oh my god, the picnic. Where she's like, you're, you're, you sound like a fascist. And he's like, well maybe fascism and dictatorship would work. Other <coughs> red flag. But the biggest red flag, dude. The biggest red flag. So, uh, the Tuscan Raiders kidnap Anakin's mother he goes to ta- he goes to Tatooine with Padme, even though he's not supposed to. He goes to save her, you know, meets the Lars family and, you know, Owen and Baru and C-3PO again, who he just decided to abandon. Anyway, so, like, he, he gets to his mother. She dies. She was happy to see him, but she dies because they tortured her. And then he decides to kill everyone. And, you know, Ben, if you don't mind, not just not the just men, the but the women and the, the children. children. So he kills an entire tribe of sentient, albeit savage beings, murders them. He has a fucking lightsaber. They have like ancient blasters and he just fucking kills everyone. Lays waste. (laughs) Mini genocide here. And instead, when he's like, which, okay, I, I will say, I do like Hayden. There's a flicker of... I don't want to say greatness. I don't want to associate greatness with acting in the prequels, but solid performance when he's like, I murdered them like animals because they're animals. I hate them. Like something about that line delivery. It always stuck out with me with Hayden Christians because I think Hayden Christians is a good actor. But again, material's terrible and George Lucas doesn't give a fuck about acting. So what is he supposed to do? Anyway, but all of that is laid at Padme's feet. All of this like awfulness. He just admitted to slaughtering people. He's a Jedi. He's never supposed to attack, only defend. He's supposed to preserve life. He murdered dozens. And she's like, oh, it's okay. Like, you know, we all have, you you have to forgive yourself. You have to do this or that. And he's like, I'm a Jedi. I need to be better than this. And then they just cut to the next whatever, right? (laughs) And then, and then, once they're on Geonosis to go save Obi-Wan, or they get captured while they're doing that fucking, like, escape room, like, conveyor belt bullshit. So, he, he, 
uh, oh god, the jetpacks on R2's legs. That's another thing, but I can't, I can't. Only one, I gotta stay focused here. So then, they're like waiting to go to the arena with Obi-Wan, and it's just the two of them, and she's like, I'm, I've been dying a little bit each day when, ever since you came in my life. He's like, what? She's like, I love you. I love you so much. And I'm just like, why? Why does she love him? What has he done to earn anything, any love? They knew each other for a week when he was nine and she was 14. It's 10 years later. He's 19. She's 24. What? He complimented her and called her an angel. He gave her a necklace. Like he helped save technically, you know, Naboo. But what happened? They, they, it's so bad. It's so stupid. The love story in this film is so stupid. And they just, she's like, well, he said, but our love would destroy us. She's like, well, we're about to be destroyed, so we might as well. And they make out. And it's just like, what? oh my God, dude, another thing. I'll, I'll end on this. And it's just, it's just fucking stupid. I'm sorry. I know Ben's heard this rant like probably three or four times in our friendship. But like, so, but the, the thing that always stuck out with me when I saw it in the theater, I was 12 years old. When I saw this in the theater, I was like, that was stupid. Why did she do that? So he's on the little rhinoceros thing or the thing and she's like on the top of her pillar just killing that cat monster that she had to fight. And she hops down on the back of the thing behind Anakin. She lands, quick peck on his cheek. Why? What the fuck was the point of that? Like I know it sounds nitpicky but you have to understand I'm – this is another minor aspect of a larger fucking problem with this film. The love story doesn't work and they get married at the end because of course they have to get married – you know, you can't apparently have Luke and Leia out of wedlock, apparently. But it's so stupid, Ben. It's so <laughs> fucking stupid. It's so bad. And the acting is so flat and lifeless. Poor Natalie Portman is wasted in all three of these films. She gets even worse in Revenge of the Sith. And Hayden Christensen got so much shit for this film. But if you look at it, Anakin Skywalker is a creepy sociopath. Fucking... Daniel Day-Lewis would have a hard time making Anakin Skywalker interesting or sympathetic. It's just, I'm sorry to take up so much of time just ranting on it. But I was just sitting there that do that two-hour-long film just like, ugh. Oh, come on. Anyway, Ben, I hope I didn't steal any of your thunder. But what do you, what did you hate about this film or dislike most about this film? I think I'll, I think I'm going to make it kind of broad and say the retconning. That happened. Okay. Um, and there's a lot of things that fit into that. Um, you have, um, Boba Fett is a clone. Yeah. Um, you have, uh, R2D2 has, um, rockets in his legs. Uh, (laughs) you have that the Death Star was being designed by the Geonosians. Yeah. You have, and this is for me, I think the most egregious. You have Yoda's lightsaber yes. fighting technique is like breakdancing rat on speed. It's very hard to follow. Even in this higher def- definition resolution that I was speaking of, like that was the second thing. That was like the minor thing to the love story. Cause I had obviously clearly a lot to say about the love story, but that Yoda fight, I didn't like it really when I saw it at first. It's not getting any better. It's it's getting worse. Like, I really don't like that fight scene because it doesn't really make any sense. Yeah. 
and then you have and then you have Yoda who kind of <clears throat> exemplifies the uh entire Jedi order um who when we meet him in Empire is talking about how a Jedi only uses uses his strength for defense never for attack yeah. has the most <laughs> the most <laughs> offensive abrasive fighting yeah. style it's 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 out it's outrageous um and then like that whole that whole fight scene that whole Deus Ex Machina fight scene is ridiculous like Dooku's about to kill both of them yeah right and then Yoda fucking hobbles in there yeah and then they and then they force battle or whatever yeah and I guess that's supposed to be kind of badass but it's just like this is silly yeah it's just silly and like they're they're literally they're like throwing rocks at each other for a minute and lightning bolts like that like duke who's using the force lightning and 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 uh yoda's just like i'll just stop it that's it <laughs> yes and he's like bet you didn't know that <laughs> <laughs> you still have much to learn young padawan how to stop lightning <laughs> And then they have their, and then they have their lightsaber battle, which is just dumb. Yeah, because um, like he's obviously a fully CGI character. You couldn't do that with a puppet, and we we're, we lament the fact that he did go away from. Not only did he get away from Puppet Yoda, he went back to Episode One and put a digital copy over Puppet Yoda. It's like, god damn, George Lucas. He's obviously a CGI character. The lightsabers are obviously, obviously CGI. It's not Christopher Lee doing the the fighting quotation marks it's obviously someone else with christopher lee's face like digitally you know mapped on his that that actor or that performer's face so it's very unappealing to watch it's not very visually satisfying it's it looks ridiculous it looks ridiculous and then at the end of the fight fucking dooku's getaway oh it's so it's so dumb it's so dumb when he like squeezes that giant metal thing to yeah. make it fall over and then it takes Yoda's entire like being to yeah. stop it from falling and it's like dude you, you tried less hard than that <laughs> to lift an X-Wing out of a swamp like and he's older in Empire yeah. than he is now it's, it's, it's so ridiculous it's, it's you know what I noticed man. about that scene that I never fucking noticed so what you just described so he, he, he throws that thing or crushes that thing to fall on Anakin and Obi-Wan who are incapacitated and Yoda like stops everything to save that like one little thing. Dooku hops in his spaceship and I swear to God, after Yoda like safely like disregards or disposes of that column that was about to fall on them, there is, I swear to you, there's a 20 second delay. <laughs> like Dooku's just sitting in his ship while Yoda is just like, well, the battle's over. He's in his ship. I can't do anything about that. <laughs> and then when Padme and the storm and the clone troopers arrive, then you know, like I swear it, it felt like thirty seconds. It was probably closer to twenty. But like, and then fucking Dooku takes off. I'm like Yoda. He's right there. He's like ten yards away from you, dude. Like, what are you doing? It's so dumb. I really, I really don't like the Yoda fight scene. A lot of people, it felt very gimmicky. Like in hindsight, yes, it felt like yeah. very gimmicky. Like they were like, well, you know, 
you know, the, the, the double lightsabers that Anakin were holding, which was a first, you know, that's not really getting it done. We need something else. We need a little bit more mustard in this scene. And like, let's have Yoda do like CGI Kung Fu. I mean, fuck it. Why not? Right. It's like, <sighs> bro, it's so bad. It's so bad. Like people don't realize Ben and I have had this conversation so many times and it's still like a fiery passionate hate for this movie. Like we just, it's, it comes so easily to us because it's so flagrant how bad Attack of the Clones is. Yeah. And then this, this isn't necessarily something, well, it's related to something that I hate that I touched on. Well, I did earlier, but whatever. So the, the, the whole droid assembly line bullshit thing. So it 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 always brings up this question for me: where where is a droid's brain located? Like, is it is it in the head or is it in the body? Because like <laughs> when C three PO's head is on that droid's body, there's a part where he's like, he's his usual neurotic self for a minute. Yeah. And then there's a part where it cuts to him and he's shooting his, his blaster and he's like, die, die, die. And then he's like, Oh my goodness. And it's like, what, who's driving this thing? Like where, where does your, who's, who's, who's got like the, the main computer part here? Like why would, cause if the head is where all of the computer stuff lives, yeah. Why would him being attached to a robot body, like a different, like a battle droid body, make any difference? Yeah, it's just bizarre. It's so bad. It's such a bad thing. <laughs> like people who aren't aware, like you have to understand, like he got a lot of shit for Phantom Menace. Like he got a lot. Like they were expecting Phantom Menace. While Phantom Menace was successful, box office wise and merchandise wise, oh, the fan base was sh- very shooketh because it was ye old time. So we we weren't we didn't develop shook yet. We were shooketh back in <laughs> the the late nineties, early two thousands. <laughs> So he was like, okay, we gotta, we gotta like bounce back from this. Like we gotta bounce, you know what? It's fucking love story time. Oh, <laughs> like you don't understand how bad, like Phantom Menace is like a C, like we said C minus. It's, it's borderline bad. It's like borderline really bad. How hard do you have to go? Like you, you actively have to try to like fuck up harder than the Phantom Menace. Like that's, that's, and he did have help. He had, I was, I always thought he wrote Attack of the Clones by himself. But there was another gentleman, again, George Lucas had almost unfettered control over all the prequels, and I was, I, I just assumed that he wrote Attack of Clones all by himself, because it, it reeks of, like, George Lucas just not fucking understanding humans at all. Uh, Jonathan Hales. It was written by John, George Lucas, Jonathan Hales, with a story by George Lucas. So, you know. I don't know if this dude was trying to save it or make it worse. I don't fucking know, but... It's it's a bad film. It's bad. So what what would you rate it? What what would you give it? I'll say I'll just say mine. It's a D. It's a like it's a D minus as well. Like it is almost unwatchable. It's not unwatchable, but it's very close to unwatchable. Like it's just so boring and bad. And there are flickers of like interest with like the Django fight, the the Coliseum fights with the monsters and the you know the the Jedi and the droids. But that's it. That's really it. And that's maybe it's like two hours and twenty minutes long, or two hours fifteen. That's maybe five minutes, ten minutes tops. Hundred, a yeah. hundred and thirty-five to one hundred forty minutes, and t- 
10 minutes of it is good. That's terrible. That is fucking terrible. Mm-hmm. So what would you give it? Yeah, I think, I think I'd probably side with you, something like that, something, something around a B minus. Yeah. Anyway. All right, we're done with that. We're washing, washing our hands of Attack of Clones. It only goes better from here. Okay? So, mm-hmm. you know, not at first. It doesn't like leaps and bounds at first, because Revenge of the Sith, you know, not a perfect film, but better, but better. I think everyone can agree that, you know, it is the best, quote, like, well, you said that Phantom Menace, you kind of, you think that might be the best, but, you know, most people, like myself, consider Episode 3, the Revenge of the Sith, the best of the prequels. I mean, it's very low bar. Very, very low bar. Yeah, I think, I think regarding that, I think it's because Phantom Menace, generally, it's kind of like, it's, like, it doesn't really vary in its goodness and badness. Like, it's pretty constantly C-. minus, Mediocre, yeah. But Revenge of the Sith has a, it's really dumb for a lot of the movie, and then there's some good parts in it that are, like, really good. Yeah. High variance. High variance there. Yes. Okay, so you said that. What's, what do you love about the Revenge of the Sith? What do you love the most or like the most? What do you, what, what stands out for you? Hmm. I can go first if you want me to. Yeah, I mean, I'm just, I'm just trying to think. The only thing, honestly, the only stuff that's coming to my head is like the bad stuff. Because, like, I guess the good part, honestly, probably the the best part of the movie for me is probably not not even the lightsaber battle on Mustafar, but when Obi Wan confronts Anakin before the lightsaber fight on yeah. Mustafar. Yeah. Yeah. Uh... That's that's kind of where I was, but it was a larger sense. Well, Battle of the Heroes, which is what the the score of the Anakin Obi Wan fight is, uh, the the track similar to Duel of the Fates. It's called Battle of the Heroes. Yes, I own the soundtrack. I love that fucking. I love John Williams' score. Like hands down, like as bad as a Star Wars film can get, Johnny Williams the God is still bringing the heat. And like maybe not so much in Attack of the Clones because there's not a lot of like. Like a lot of great action scenes or a lot of empowering scenes in that score wise. But when he, but when George Lucas, like Johnny, bring the heat, Johnny Williams to God brings the heat. And I mean, this is John Williams, like, who's had like a fucking, he's like, what? He's like 80 something at this point. He's had like a 60 year career of bringing the heat. And so, uh, made a name for himself really in the 70s with Jaws and then Star Wars and then the rest is history. So, so Battle of the Heroes. But what I would say, in a larger sense, I think that you're right that there's a lot of boring bad in this movie and a lot of dumb in this movie, but the action scenes in this film, the opening scene, the opening shots, the opening space scene, the back half with Order 66, you know, Mace Windu versus Palpatine, the Obi-Wan, Obi-Wan Anakin fight, a lot of the action scenes are really well done. Again, George Lucas is a very, very talented visual storyteller, and he is very good at capturing action on screen, especially when he has the technology to execute. Execute Order 66. Anyway, uh, so when he has, <laughs> when he has the resources available to him, he really can flourish in those action scenes. So I think that's my favorite part of episode three is the, you know, uh, and I'll, I'll, you know what? I'll kind of expand it to a, not necessarily an action scene. There's a scene in episode three that I always liked. Apparently people aren't always keen on it, but I always liked was there's a scene after 
Anakin tells Mace Windu that Emperor Palpatine's the Dark Lord, the, the Sith that they've been looking for. And Mace Windu's like, okay, we're going to go arrest him, but I need you to chill here because I'm not exactly sure I can trust you, but I'll trust you if you just stay out of this. And so Anakin goes up to the uh, council's chambers at the top of the Jedi Temple and and Padme, who's on the way other fucking side of town in their like penthouse apartment, they're like looking at each other and there's a good John Williams score called Padme's Ruminations. And it's a visually telling story about how distant they've grown and the gulf between them and how he longs to save her and protect her. And she's kind of like wondering what's going on and wondering what's going on in his heart. And it's all told, you know, visually and silently and just looks and score and shots, like the shots of the, of this scene. It's a very quiet, reserved, subtle scene, but I love it because it's very understated. And it's not full of terrible written dialogue, thankfully. And so <laughs> I really love when George Lucas is doing visual storytelling, especially in action scenes and that one love scene. Like that's probably their best love scene. Like it's literally when they're not talking is their <laughs> best love scene. So I really – I think that's my favorite part. Like when he's just like, okay, we're not going to fucking deal with dialogue or humor or romance. We're just going to fucking do action here. Except the Palpatine Yoda fight. I'm, I'm, it's like the Dooku fight. I don't yeah. I don't really fuck with that. But it's, it's Do you have anything else you want to add on the likes? I think we were kind of in the same boat. I just was in a larger scale. I like General Grievous, although he's kind of dumb and like – uh, you know, gets for such a badass, he gets disposed of fairly quickly. But apparently, he was really cool in the animated Clone Saga, Clone Wars TV show, which was it was good. I liked it. But uh, yeah, man, it's it's definitely a second half movie. Like there's there's a mark of delineation of like when it starts actually getting good. And the back half, I agree, is like the better, the very best part. Like it was what we were looking forward to these entire prequels. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, do you want to move on to the the hate or dislike? What do you hate and dislike the most of this film? Yeah, we can do that. Yeah, let's let's go for it. Okay, okay. would you want to go first? Or I, I I I have again I have detailed notes. Like I have like really detailed like what I hate about this film. Uh, but if you want to go first, please go first, my friend. You you go ahead and go first. I'll ruminate while you're while you're okay. talking about yours. Uh, again, I'm hoping not stealing your thunder because we didn't really necessarily consult with each other before, but I think we're pretty much on the same page on a lot of it. Some of us might choose other things, but honestly, the thing I hate most about this film, I'm not picking on Hayden Christensen. It's Anakin Skywalker. He's so incredibly dumb. He's so incredibly dumb in this film. Like, how, like, I literally have a question written down. How dumb, underline, underline, is Anakin Skywalker? Like, seriously. <laughs> He is played so easily by Palpatine. And I know, like, I thought about this. So I thought about this. I did the math. So he was nine years old in Phantom Menace. Okay, so nine years old. And then Attack Attack of the Clones takes place 10 years later. So he's 19. And then, and then Revenge of the Sith is three years later. So he's 22 years old. Yeah, 22 year olds more or less are dumb, especially Anakin, who grew up, like, in a weird Jedi system. And, like, you know, they don't really teach, like, people skills, I don't think. Uh, I think you kind of have to bring that to the table on your own, independently. Uh, but he's just so unlikably dumb and hard to sympathize with. He's used by Palpatine so easily. He's so selfish and so, like, he, the love, his love for Padme and, like, 
His connection to her and his fear of losing her, while relatable, is so hard to get behind because it's undercut by, like, so much awfulness as far as character. Like, he's using his love for Padme as a cover for what he really wants, his power, his lust for power. He wants control, he wants dominance, and he doesn't want anyone telling him he what he does is wrong, and he wants unbridled, like, domination and unscrutinized decision making. And he just wants all the power, and he doesn't want anyone telling him what he can or can't do. Okay, very childlike, but all right. But he's just so dumb because, like, Palpatine is basically shouting, telegraphing, I'm the Dark Lord of the Sith. And then when he he finally has to tell Anakin, oh, yeah, by the way, I'm the Dark Lord of the Sith, Anakin's like, what? He's like, dog, he, he invited you to that opera box of, like, floating balls and floating, like, bubbles and shit. And he told you there was a story about Darth Plagueis the Wise why would a why would a senator from Naboo, who's now chancellor, why would he know that story? Why? Why would he know anything about that story? Like it's he's so dumb and he's so easily manipulated. And again, I understand he's clouded. The dark side has clouded his judgment. It's making him irrational. He's a dumb young twenty two year old guy. But God, it's so hard to connect with him, and it's so it's very very challenging to connect with Anakin Skywalker because he's so unsympathetically selfish and dumb for most of this film. And also, let's talk about this. You know, it's joked about now, but he just decides to kill a room full of children. (laughs) They just decide to cut away and, like, nobody fucking talks about... Oh, and fucking Padme, dude. Fucking Padme. She's, like... She wants to save him and, like, in her dying breath... There's still good in him. He fucking killed a room of children. They were looking to him for help. He closes the door and ignites a lightsaber and kills them. But no, there's still good in him, Ben. There's still good in Anakin Skywalker. He killed a whole tribe of sand people. All right, cool. Who hasn't? But then he kills a room full of def- like practically defenseless children. Children. Not that much older than Emmy. He kills them. Mm-hmm. Personally. And they just let that shit slide. Like they just over like they just skirt over that. Like completely like we're just gonna hop on over that. It's just like Dog. Yeah. Yeah. And that and that and that kinda gets into what if we were gonna do an overarching conversation about all of these prequel and to some extent anthology movies. The retconning that takes place really fucks with some of the stuff that happens in the original movies. Like, you have the interaction between Obi-Wan and Darth Vader in A New Hope. When you have that, and when you look at that interaction without, you know, having not seen Revenge of the Sith because it didn't exist yet. You're like, you get this sense that, like, there were, there literally, there used to be, like, this mutual respect. Like, you know, and when you find out that Vader is, is Anakin. Yeah. Um, you know, spoiler alert, sorry. Uh. What? No. <laughs> when you, uh, when you find that out, you're like, you know, it makes sense and you're like, oh shit. And like, you get that camaraderie, that there used to be camaraderie, there used to be this mutual respect or whatever. But then, you know, you throw a giant wrench in it because you're like, oh yeah, one of the last times they saw each other, fucking. <laughs> 
Obi-Wan watches the security cam footage of him murdering a bunch of children and then chops off all his limbs and leaves them to die next to a giant lava river. Yeah. It's just, oh, it's, it's, it's just bizarre. Yeah, I'll give a special shout out to Ewan McGregor. I think he's really good as Obi-Wan. And of course, Ian McDermott again, highlight of the fucking movie. He is just killing it in this movie. He is so good in this movie. And it's kind of a little scenery chewing and over the top at points, especially the power, unlimited power. Like, yeah, okay, cool. That's kind of dumb. But his like pre-emperor, like after he gets his face gets like melted and mutated by the lightning, up until that, like really... He is so good as Emperor, as Sheev Palpatine. And like, you could tell that he's like, actually like, I'm the badass in this film and I'm going to flex my acting chops. And I'm really looking forward to a spoiler alert for anyone who's trying to avoid Rise of Skywalker spoilers, but it's been pretty well like documented and pretty well televised that like he's coming back for Rise of Skywalker. And I don't know how they're going to do it. I don't know really what that's going to be like and what capacity he'll be back, but I'm very interested to see Ian McDermott back because he's fucking awesome as the Emperor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, and Mace Windu was a letdown. He he held his own, but he, like, went out like a bitch. Sorry, yeah. I don't want to say that. He went out like a wuss. <laughs> and, like, Yoda fucking giving up on that fight with Palpatine. Like, he falls, but then he's like, oh, I gotta leave now. It's like, but the fight isn't over, Yoda. What the fuck? What else is there? I don't know. It's fine. I'm feeling a B, B, maybe a B minus. Yeah, I think I'm gonna give it a B minus. What are you, what are you gonna give it? I would give it a C. Okay. I'm a bit more generous than you because those Mustafar scenes are really, really good. Although, no, but that, oh, but that's the thing. Like, it's literally just a dialogue. I, I really, the more I watch that lightsaber battle, the less I like it. Really. Yeah, like, there's stuff that is so dumb to me, like, there's that one part where they literally sit there and have, like, a rave war with their lightsabers, (laughs) and then there's, (laughs) and then, like, they're not even contacting each other, they're just just spinning them around their bodies. Yeah, like, Sandstorm should be playing in the back. And then, and then there's the part where they have a force push battle. yeah. And it's just like, what, man, what the f- what are you doing? And then, so they fucking fight all over everything on that entire planet. Yeah. And then, and then they end up where, at the end of the battle, where Obi-Wan is like two feet higher than Anakin is yeah. on like a gentle slope. And he's like, try me, bitch. Um... <laughs> And then he just like chops off. So you underestimate my power. (laughs) It just like cuts him in half, basically. And it's like, why couldn't you have done that literally every other time he jumped next to you? Yeah. Like, like, having, maybe it's a thing. Maybe having the high ground means that you have to be next to a river of lava. That's the only time where the high ground advantage exists. I don't know. But I'm such a sucker for lightsaber battles. Like, they're my favorite, arguably my favorite parts of of every Star Wars film. Like, the lightsaber battles are, like, the highlights for me. I just dig it. I do think that it's fucking stupid, the fact that, like, they're on that walkway that gets broken off and then falls in the lava and they're, like, climbing up it. And then it goes over a waterfall of lava and Obi-Wan happens to swing and land on, like, this floating platform, which... 
What would you have done if that wasn't there? And then, to make it worse, Anakin's like, the thing is literally falling, and he just happens to f- jump at the last second and land on this tiny little droid right there in the middle of the lake of lava, or the river of lava. I'm getting, I'm like, what would you have done if that wasn't there? Okay, sure. But again, I kind of forgive Star Wars because it is for kids, or it's for everyone, so it's got to be kind of for kids. Like, you don't focus on that bit, just kind of go for the emotion of the scene. And, like, when he's like, you were the chosen one. I loved you. You were my brother. And when he's like, I failed you, Anakin. I failed you. And he's like, I really dig that shit. And the buildup, yeah, like, the buildup where he's like, Anakin Chancellor Palpatine is evil. Or, no, he's like, I'm a, I, 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 my allegiance is to the Republic, to democracy. And he's like, if you're my, if you're not with me, you were my enemy. Like, that kind of shit I really dig, like you said, but. I, I just love that whole battle. Not really the fact that it's interspersed with the Palpatine Yoda fight because it's fucking stupid, but, uh, I really. Frisbees at each other. It's fucking, it's so fucking stupid. God, I hate Yoda's fighting technique. I'm just like, this is so, it's so unpleasant to watch and so really hard to like figure out what the fuck. It's just whirls and blur and it's so bad and it's not real. It's just fucking video game, basically, right? It's a video uh-huh. game cutscene. So I'll give it a B plus. I'm sorry, I'll give it a B minus because, like, when it gets going, I feel like it really gets going, and it's very interesting. And there's a lot of dumb in that movie. There's a lot of dumb in all three of these movies, but you know, I I, I think it's the best of the prequels, and you know, because of that final showdown, because you kind of were building up to it, and it kind of lands, but it could have landed better, but. You got to take what you get, right? Yeah. All right. So we're done with the prequels. All right. Wait, but okay. But what about the droid attack on the Wookiees? <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! It's really funny, like looking at that scene and then watching Solo right after. Like Chewbacca goes from like general in the Wookiee army on Kashyyyk, and that then the next thing you know, he's like in a cage and he's called the Beast. I'm like, how the fuck did that happen? But all right, sure. So. I mean, it's fine. It's, it's cool to see Kashyyyk, I guess. Maybe we'll, if they ever, like, decide to, like, redo the holiday special or, like, I mean, the Mandalorian <laughs> kind of made it canon the life yeah. day. But, uh, we're really interesting to see if we ever revisit Kashyyyk down the line. Who knows? Mandalorian seems to be hopping all over the place, though. So. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. I'm done. Do you have anything to say on Revenge of the Sith? Um, no. I mean, it's the best of the prequels, but it's not the best by a lot. Yeah, it's it's low bar. Like we said, a very low bar to clear. Okay, so we're moving. We're done with the prequels. We're moving on to the two anthology films that came out. We have Solo, A Star Wars Story, and Rogue One. So we're going to go to Solo first because technically, chronologically, takes place uh, the next film. So it takes place 13 years it starts off 13 years before A New Hope, and then it takes place largely 10 years. So he's like, he's 22, and he's 32 in A New Hope, Han Solo. And we learn a lot about Han Solo, a lot of questions we weren't really, like, questions we didn't really pose, and they just decided to answer for us. So this is a very troubled production history. I don't want to really go into it, but basically they fired their directors of the film with like 80% of the film shot and they had to like reshoot a whole bunch of shit and it cost them $300 million just to make the film. So it had to make like over $600 million 
to make a profit, and I think it fell short. So it technically lost them a lot of money when you consider marketing involved. So Solo was a was a misstep, but even Bob Iger, the CEO of Disney, came out and was like, I shouldn't have made it. We shouldn't have released it. So it came out 2018. It came out like six months after The Last Jedi, which we'll get to in part two, how troubled, how the, how very mixed the response to The Last Jedi was. So this film had a lot working against it. But I like it. I actually like it. I think it's fine as long as you realize that it's basically glorified fan fiction. Yeah. So Yeah. You, you have to take it outside of the universe that it's set in. Okay. So... Before we get to what we, maybe we'll do it after we love and hate. Okay, so you you didn't rewatch this, but you have seen it. You've seen it only once, right? I've seen it a couple of times. Okay, yeah, I've seen it three times. Uh, I'll go first because I did rewatch it earlier today. Personally, what I love the most is Amelia Clark because I just love Amelia Clark is like one of the most beautiful women on the planet for me, and she's just mm-hmm. spectacular in this film. Very talented actress, but my gosh, she is she is so pretty. Uh, yes. So. I'll go with what I loved about the film. I really like the cinematography. I like how dark it's shot. A lot of people had problems with that, but I really dig it because it's like it's the seedy underbelly of this galaxy, and I'm very interested in it. I like that I mentioned the Mandalorian. I really love seeing more of this galaxy. I like seeing more of the world building, and I like experiencing things that you're like, what is this galaxy? What is this part of the galaxy like? What is that part of the galaxy like? What are characters not named Skywalker doing? You know, what are their stories? I really dig that. I really liked Paul Bettany's character. I thought he was a good villain. We didn't get a lot of him, and unfortunately he dies. But quality minutes. Offered quality minutes. I really love the supporting cast. I loved Woody Harrelson. Well, I'll talk about the, what I hate. I really loved perfect casting of Donald Glover as Landonis, Balthazar Calrissian III. Like, we just found that out today that that's Lando's full name. Like, Landonis? Really? Okay, sure. But he'll be Lando. But I really loved him as Lando. And obviously Phoebe Waller-Bridge as l3 who you know looking back i saw this before i saw fleabag and i only love it more now after i've seen fleabag but honestly my favorite favorite thing about solo even though you could start the there's an argument to be like hashtag not my solo but like han and chewie's dynamic i think they nailed it i think they nailed it in this film like i really really bought into it i really loved seeing it every time they were on screen together and interacting with each other and sniping at each other and cutting jokes to each other and bickering like an old married couple, even though they just met. I really, really love that about uh-huh. this film. Uh-huh. From what, from your recollection, what do you love the most about this film? I think I covered a lot of ground. So please, if you, if I covered something you were going to talk about, please, you know, feel free to elaborate. The, uh, the action set pieces were cool. Yeah. Um, the action was really cool. Like that frame heist. Yes. Yeah. Is, is really neat. And it's kind of weird because it's like, since this is kind of sort of a prequel type thing, like it put Han and Chewie in dangerous situations, but it's like you already, because they fucking exist in A New Hope, you're like, well, they're not going to die. Yeah. You know, so it's kind of this weird, I don't, I don't, I don't even know what to call it because it's not really suspension of disbelief. It's just like, it's, it's low I, stakes. It's like the absence yeah. of stakes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but, but regardless, you know, that was a cool scene. Are you including the Kessel Run in this? Yes, and I have things to talk about with that. I don't know if, if I want to save it for things that I like or things that I, I mean, I guess I can put it with things that I like because it is, I do have something positive to say about it. I genuinely got mad in a Force, in, in the Force Awakens when they made the Kessel Run line 
Yeah, they doubled I, down on it. I, 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 I legitimately got mad at that because yeah. the whole thing with that was, you know, it doesn't make sense for you to be bragging about how your ship could travel a distance and less distance. Like, and then, you know, you had all these fanboys trying to retcon it into existence because they were like, oh yeah, well, you know, you got to go through like, you cut off distance if you shouldn't, like, it's, a, it, it's, you go by like black holes and stuff. And so yeah. like, you, you shave off distance if you go close to them or whatever. And it's like, no, fuck you. Like, even in the script, it's talking about how he's just bullshitting. Yeah. Like, he's like, the, he meets this old man and this young dude. This young farm boy. Board. Yeah. And he's like, oh, these are fucking suckers right here. Yeah. And so he just like bullshits and stuff. They don't call him on it. And he just kind of gets away with it. And that fits into the character so much more than him being like, I mean, not that he's not a braggart, yeah. but like that fits in with the character for him to be bullshitting that. And then Force Awakens happens and he's like, no, there's a real number associated with that. And also the ship is apparently famous enough that other people are familiar with that number. And it's like, man, no, just no. So when they did Solo and they showed the Kessel Run, they retconned it in the least stupid way possible. Yeah, so I would agree. Props, props for that, but it's still dumb that it was a thing at all. The only dumb part of the retconning of the the Kessel Run is again, it goes back to him like blowing smoke up his own ass. The way he talks about it is like the Millennium Falcon made the Kessel Run in twelve parsecs, right? And he kind of doesn't talk about the fact that he makes it. I always insinuated that it was more like I made the Kessel Run in twelve parsecs. But when you actually see what is canon now and what the Kessel Run entailed, he had a lot of fucking help. Like, he would not have gotten through it without L3's guidance system, which had just well, he, happened to be uploaded to the Falcon at the time. So He, he does say the ship, not yes, him. I, I, yes, but he's the captain of that ship and the pilot of that ship. So the I always inferred from that bragging, that 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 claim was that it was a, a, a reflective glory, you know, like it was like, you know, he got that, he, he gets some shine from it because like, you know, this is the ship that did this and guess who fucking piloted it. But it's like, you know, you had a lot of help and Chewbacca doesn't get nearly the love that he gets. He deserves in any of these films. Chewbacca has like helped so many times save this galaxy and he's just the walking dog. Like, it's just like, come on. Yeah, he man. didn't even get a medal. Yeah, I know. And he's like a hundred, so he's like, he's 190 years old when Han meets him. And then 10 years later when New Hope starts. So he's 200 years old when A New Hope. And he's older than like everyone on the screen combined. No love. No love. He gets so disrespected in these films. Anyway, I will say one last thing I really loved. Because it kind of, in a good way, retconned something that we both lament in A New Hope. When Han Solo kind of the character and name only because it's kind of complicated and i feel like we could go you might touch on this on things you hate as far as the yeah it's han solo but not really han solo if you think about it but i do love that he shoots woody harrelson first like he just shoots him like it just like he's like woody harrelson's reaching for his gun han's got his gun trained on him and like he's woody harrelson's monologuing and then you know Han just shoots him. And Alden Ehrenreich, the actor, young actor who, for better or for worse, got the privilege of playing Han Solo. I think he was fine. I think he was fine. He didn't, he wasn't awful. He wasn't distractingly 
awful, but he wasn't, I don't think he added anything. He was just, again, he was just doing a role of playing like a swashbuckling space pirate outlaw. So like, I don't really, I don't really begrudge him. And the production was so hectic that I guess he did the best he could and he probably had to do everything twice. So it was fine. I, I liked him. Let's move on to things we hate. I just have a few. Spoiler alert again. I really don't like that they got rid of Tanny Newton and John Favreau's characters so early. Yeah. Yeah. Those were really cool characters. And I know Tanny Newton was filming Westworld at the time. So I understand why her schedule might not have been, even if she wanted to be or if they wanted her to be in the film more, she probably was very limited. John Favreau's character, I was like, oh, well, he was cool for five minutes. And the big thing that I really, really didn't like, like, again, I'm largely indifferent to this film. It's a, it's a fun romp, as they say. But Darth Maul's like forced shoot in cameo at the end there. I was like, you didn't have to like say, look, it's Darth Maul. He's still alive. I'm like, yeah, we know. Like real fans know that he's still alive and non-fans don't care. No, remember who that is largely. So, and the fact that he like sparks up his lightsaber just to be like, ha, ah, we have a lightsaber in this film. It's like, uh, all right, fine. But yeah, that was my biggest, like, this was so unnecessary. Like, so many things were unnecessary in this film that didn't bother me, that have bothered a lot of people, including you, Ben. There was a bunch of unnecessary stuff that didn't bother me, but that one was like, okay. Okay. You know. All right, fine. But all right, come on now. We could have, you, you didn't have to do that. Okay, so what did, what did you, what did you hate the most or dislike the most about this film? So, then this is a problem that, that gets solved if you change your, your viewpoint for this movie. But when I went to see this movie in theaters, I, you know, I was like, we're going to get what we're going to get. The only thing that I want out of this movie is I want, I want it to end and I want it to be like, okay, so we meet Han in A New Hope. And this is like, okay, this is why he acts like this. Yeah. And you do not get that at all in this yeah. movie. The whole, the, the, the point that you literally, it's literally... It's not, it's not subtle. There's no subtlety to it at all. It literally gets driven into your face like a fucking railroad spike. Because Amelia Clark's character says it. She's like, you're not, you're not, you're the good guy. You, you know, like you always have a heart of gold. Yeah. And so, and so it's just like, so, so what's the point? Like you, 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 like you, you give Han an arc in A New Hope. You know, he starts out one way and then he goes through his character arc and then he becomes a hero at the end of the movie. Yeah. But then you take this movie and you're like, yeah, remember how he had this arc? Well, he was a good guy the whole time. So, uh, that arc meant nothing. Yeah, completely undercut the character, which is like leading up to it. We had this conversation multiple times, how unnecessary this film was. Like, mm -hmm. you understand from a business, in a franchise building aspect, why Disney did this. Like, oh, he's a really popular character. People will come out to see it. If this does well, we can do another Han Solo film. But artistically speaking, character-wise, this was a completely unnecessary film and kind of to a detriment as well. Like, we didn't need this. We didn't need to see his characters. We didn't need to see his backstory. We don't need to know how he met Chewie. We don't know how he need how he got a blast. We don't need to know how he got his blaster. We don't need to know how he got the Falcon. What what needs to be answered is answered in A New Hope and, and Empire. Everything else, it doesn't matter. It does not matter. It He just is. The character is. 
Not everything needs to be explained. And that was a large issue that we didn't really touch on in the prequels. A lot of the like, oh, well, this is why this happened. And the later films, like, we don't care. That's, there's no point to that. We don't care. Nobody was asking these questions. But, you know, they're like, well, while we're here, we might as well answer some questions that nobody asked. It's like, that's not really, that's, that's not good. That's not, that's not, that's not interesting. These films are supposed to be interesting and entertaining. And if you're doing, and it all falls under this blanket of fan service, but it's like, but what fans were asking for this? Like, who are you serving? Like, so, yeah, it was kind of a letdown, but I still enjoy it. Again, glorified fan fiction. It's like, it's like, this is one, one, one Jake Kasdan and Lawrence, Lawrence Kasdan story of their character, Han Solo, who they developed a lot. Well, Lawrence Kasdan did in Empire. This is his backstory for Han Solo, but you know, it doesn't really fucking matter. You could skip it. It's not that important. Although I got to give shout out to Ben. He saved me $4 today. <laughs> Cause I like, so it's not on Disney plus yet. And I thought it had gone off Netflix. So I was literally, literally typed in my security code for my, my debit card to buy it on YouTube. And you texted me. He's like, wait, I think it's on Netflix. I was like, Oh. And sure enough, it was on Netflix. I was like, you just saved me $4, dude. Thank you. I'll buy you a drink when I'm in town next. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, man, I, oh, I did want to ask you though, as unnecessary as this film was, we are almost, we're like halfway, a little over halfway through The Mandalorian and Ben and I both love it. And we will be doing a special review episode about not only Rise of Skywalker after that film comes out, but we will also do once The Mandalorian wraps up a season review and talk about what we liked about it and what we didn't like about it. I imagine there'll be a lot that we love about it, depending on how it ends, I guess. But like, and we're hoping Rise of Skywalker doesn't suck. Uh, cause that'll be a bummer. Cause we're not going to probably get another Star Wars film for a while. And yeah. this is supposed to be the culmination of, you know, the entire Skywalker saga. Yeah. Anyway, but my question to you, Benjamin, is do you think Solo would have worked better? Solo, a Star Wars story would have worked better if they had done what they're doing with the Mandalorian, the uh, serialized nine episode story of Han Solo. I, I, I honestly don't know. I feel like they. I feel like if they had done that, it 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 could have. It either it either would have been great or it would have been terrible because mm-hmm. they either would have made kind of a self contained story that set everything up in yeah. the correct way, or they would have spent too much time doing what what we were just talking about where they were answering unnecessary questions yeah, that just kind of make it harder to fit it in. Like you're just making a more specific puzzle piece for yeah. the puzzle. <sighs> yeah. I don't know. I really didn't know the answer to that question either. I thought you would probably have a better answer than that. No, no disrespect. Cause it is a hard question to answer. Cause it's like, again, it's unnecessary. Like the Mandalorian works because we don't know anything about this character. Right. And it can go anywhere. But we know everything we need to know about Han Solo. We've seen him rise and fall. Like, we don't need to know anything else about this character. And even if you're trying to make money off of him, even though he's dead at this point. So, like, and it's not Harrison Ford. So, it's kind of, it's got so much working against it. It had so much working against it. But I would have, I would have been all right with it. I, again, I'm, I'm fine with this one. I'm completely fine with it. It's fine. It's cool. I, I'm not, I'm not mad at it. It didn't offend me. It's better. It is better than the prequels. I would watch Solo over and definitely Phantom Menace and Attack of Clones any day of the week, but maybe, 
Revenge of the Sith, eh, uh, it's kind of murky there. It's kind of tied, I guess, to an extent. But, like, it's better than two episodic films. So, you know, it's got that going <laughs> for it. Um, and when you look at the production history of this film, it's surprised that it's even halfway decent. Like, it's incredible. Yeah. yeah. And again, I got to reiterate, even though we get answers to questions we didn't ask, like, like one thing I pointed out to Ben, I was like, wait a minute. So... Han Solo tells Lando that Han Solo's dad, Han's dad, worked on Karelian starships. So Han knew his father, right? He's an, I guess he's an orphan when he gets picked up by the crime syndicate that he works for at the beginning of the film. But when he, he sneaks off Karelia to join the Empire, he doesn't have a last name. And this was a big point of contention with a lot of fans. Like the, the guy just happens, the dude who's processing him decides to be like Han Solo. So, and then he accepts that as his surname going forward, but it's like, so you knew your dad, and it's the same kind of paternal uh, tradition of passing on the family name paternally, so you knew your dad, but you never asked, dad, what's our last name? Okay, sure, why not? Fine, all right, fine. Again, the solo thing didn't bother me. It did not bother me enough. I was like, oh, okay, cool, that's... Guess that's how he got his last name. Cool. All right, sure. But a lot of people hated that. <laughs> <laughs> it was yeah. I mean, it was just dumb. It was just unnecessary. It was just yeah. unnecessary. It was just completely unnecessary. Speaking uh, of dumb things in that movie, I cannot believe that they made the dumbest internet joke when they named that that fucking droid. What do you mean? You talk about L three? Yes. They named the droid Leak. Oh. Okay. You remember from like back, Leet and Noob and Pwned. Oh, I do, yeah. All right, yeah. I'm familiar with Noob and Pwned. I'm not. I'm not familiar with Leet. That Elite is what it. Ah, means. okay. Yeah, but it was. It was just. And I was the they. they that's what they named the droid. And I was like, really? <laughs> like, really? I think we both agreed that it should have been a Lando film. Yes. And I think the Lando storyline with L3, I think that was more interesting than what we got with Han's backstory or Han's backstory. So they should have just done that. But again, I'm not going to read into the racial aspect of it, but maybe they thought Lando wasn't nearly as popular and bankable. Uh, Maybe fans wouldn't have latched on to the black character. I don't know. Who the hell knows? But like, I think it was like, well, Han, everyone loves Han Solo, but it's like, but do you guys realize why we love Han Solo? I don't think you do. Or you're trying to be like, well, they love him for this, but they'll even love him more for that. It's like, yeah, there's a disconnect here. I don't really think y'all are appreciating this. Y'all see the dollar bills. I don't think y'all realize how it undercuts your character going forward. But yeah, man, so that's Solo. What would you give it? I'd probably give it a C also. I'm going to give it a B. I'm more favorable to it because it's like, eh, it's fun. It's fun. Yeah. It could have been so much worse. It could have been so much worse. That's true. That is very true. But honestly, I'm genuinely curious to know what Lord and Miller were were trying to put together over there. Yeah. So the story is, for anyone not aware, Lucasfilm, who makes these films, they're owned by Disney. Uh, They hired Lord and Miller, who were famous off of 21 Jump Street, Lego Movie. They eventually left this and went on to go do... Into the Spider-Verse, which was a huge success for them. They produced it. They didn't write and direct it, but they did produce it. And their hand is definitely noticeable in in that story, in that film. So, yeah, they were like, I think, three weeks away from finishing filming. And they got fired on a Monday? 
And then, like, Ron Howard, God bless him, had to come in and, like, finish the movie and, like, reshoot, like, 75% of the film. And it cost him, it, like, doubled the budget. And it was, whoo, buddy. Uh, But, yeah. I think it would have been, like, a 21 Jump Street. They were saying it was too, like, parody and, like, too self-referential and very Apatow-esque, I think was the other word that got thrown around. (laughs) Okay. Like he would have started making like nerf herder jokes, like like ah, oh, that's that's not cool. But I don't know. It would have been interesting, but I also don't know. Like it's very tricky, as we're gonna discuss with the Force Awakens, with the Last Jedi. It's ve- and what we're about to talk about with Rogue One, because that also had a troubled production history. It's very hard to make a Star Wars film. Like even Lucas failed. Like he made. One really good one, A New Hope. He made an okay one with Revenge of the Sith, and he made two really bad ones. It's very hard to make a Star Wars film. So, yeah. Okay, let's move on. I would give it a B. You would give it a C. So, like, I'm a little bit more generous. Okay, we're going to move on to Rogue One. It's the last film we're going to talk about, and we're going to answer a few questions afterwards. But Rogue One, the first anthology film, came out 2016. Yeah, I actually very much enjoy this film. I'm indifferent to Solo, but I actually legitimately enjoy this film like i was watching it again today and i watched it like a month ago out of the blue i really have fun with this film so let's go with you first what do you love the most about this film or like the most about this film i i, I really like k2 yeah I really like k2 part of it is because i love alan tudyk yeah um, i mean who doesn't but and we'll talk about this when we talk about last jedi humorous there's always humor in star wars movies and the yeah. humor that Alan Tudyk brings in with K2, it works. It's funny. Yes, it's very funny. He's he's one of the best parts of this film. Yeah, and then uh, also in most things that he's in, Mad Props, lots of love to Mads Mikkelsen. Yeah, I wrote down that as well. And I also give a special shout out to Ben Mindo Mendelsohn. Like, yes. He was very good in this. Like A lot of good supporting roles in this film. For sure, for sure. Uh, and Donnie Yen, holy shit! How could yeah, I, I, I was going to talk about him. I kind of have a tie. Well, it's not really a tie, but so my favorite thing, hands down, worth the price of admission. They could have charged me twice, and it would have been fine. The <laughs> best thing about this film, I like this film as is. If you took this scene out of it, I would still enjoy this film. But the 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 single best part of this film. Is the Darth Vader scene at the, like, close to the very end. Like, it's like the second to last scene where he, like, walks into that fucking ship corridor, kind of mirroring what he did in A New Hope. Although, instead of, like, waiting for the stormtroopers to take care of business, he decides to take care of business personally. And it is so fucking awesome. It's one of the best Darth Vader scenes outside of the, no, I am your father scene in Empire in Bespin. Like, this is, like, the best Darth Vader scene. He fucking, like, I remember seeing this in the theaters, like, oh my god, oh my god, holy shit, what the fuck, oh my god, dude, I was fucking mind blown, nerdgasm, fucking love that scene, he fucking lifts someone on the ceiling, walks past him, flicks his lightsaber back to slice his insides, he just fucking hacks and slash. It is so, like, I am such a huge Darth Vader fan. I love Darth Vader. He's, like, one of my icons. It's one of my favorite, favorite things in my life is Darth Vader. 
He's so cool. He's so awesome. And that is one of the most badass scenes this character's ever had. Ever fucking had. And it just took this film from like a B to an A minus, like, or just a general A. I love that scene. It's so good. It's so good. I also had written down K2SO, Mads Mikkelsen, Ben Mendelsohn. Really love those. The space battles are really good in this. Like Garrett Edwards, who, who directed it, but Tony Gilroy came in to like tweak it a little bit because there was problems with the film, uh, as far as like flow and structure and like, plot wise and all this stuff so they brought in there was some reshoots i think like i think the estimate was like 25 to like 40 percent of the film was reshot so not nearly as bad as solo but also pretty substantial uh so but i really love gareth edwards sense of scale and his like his vision like the space battles are really good the 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 star destroyers look great the death star looks great in this film it's all uh, some of it is obviously digital but it looks great it doesn't look plasticky and like Mm -hmm cheesy and phony like the prequels do especially attack clone attack of the clones or revenge of the sith like it looks so good this is such a great looking film i love 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 the cinematography of this film mm-hmm. what else do i have uh, again like solo like the mandalorian i love exploring this galaxy i love seeing parts of it that we haven't seen before i love meeting new characters even though unfortunately all these characters die spoiler alert what else do i love but yeah so the Vader scene is awesome, but also one of my favorite lines in the entire Star Wars franchise is in this film. And I talked to you about this. Chira Imoe, who is played by Donnie Yen, who's a very good character and a very well done performance in my opinion. He has like one of my favorite lines. Like if you go on my Instagram or Facebook, this is literally the quote on my like bio. It's really cheesy, but I love it. He basically, when uh, Stormtroopers surround Jen Erso, played by Felicity Jones and, uh, Cassie and Andor, who we'll talk about in a little bit, surrounding them and K2SO, Donnie Yen shows up, Chirrut Inway, and he's like, let them pass, let them pass. The Force is with me, and I am with the Force, and I fear nothing. This is the line. I love this line. It was in the trailer. I loved it then, and I loved it. I love it now. I fear nothing, for all is as the Force wills it. And I love that line because it's like, I've kind of internalized that line, if I can be a little personal. Like, I talked to you about how much I love that line, and... Mm-hmm. There's a lot of great lines like that, especially like, for instance, in Revenge of the Sith, one of Yoda's lines is, train yourself to let go of everything you fear to lose. I really love that line. I love the philosophy of Star Wars. And, you know, obviously, fear leads to anger, anger leads to hate, hate leads to suffering. You know, a lot of great lines in the prequels that, you know, few and far between, but they're they're there. So I love that line because I find it fascinating and intriguing and applicable to life even though i'm not religious (laughs) and i don't believe in a higher power i love that line because it tells you don't worry don't fear because everything is is as it's supposed to be in or meant to be to an extent but that's a conversation for another pot as far as religion and higher power but yeah i really love donnie in in this um anyway there's a lot of good things i like about this film you ready to talk about the hate and dislike sure uh what do you have i don't really care for Saul Guerrero. Yeah, Forrest um, Whitaker. Ugh. It, it's it's just it's a bizarre character and it serves no purpose. Yeah. Uh, I'm also not su- and I think this is kind of a, a popular opinion. I'm not super crazy about the uh digital faces of uh Peter Cushing and Carrie Fisher. The Peter Cushing one, I was fine with it at the time, but watching it in this new 
on this big new TV that I got recently a few months ago in this high definition resolution. It's like, ooh, this is not looking that good. It is looking kind of kind of plasticky and fake, which it is. But like the the Carrie Fisher one didn't bother me that much because she's like she's on the screen for what like fifteen seconds maybe. Yeah. But the Peter Cushing one, they really lean into that. Mm-hmm. What else do you have? I also don't like that all of the characters die. Like, oh, I love that. I, I, I don't know. It's just like it. It ends up. I mean, it's it's kind of like you know, it's kind of like the 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 low stakes thing that we were talking about before. Like, it's like they introduce all these people, and then you're like, oh, well, they have to introduce all these people to do this thing, so they're probably all gonna die, and then they all die, and you're like, oh, okay. Well, I think that there was room for compromise with like. Most of them die. Like, you could have had Cassian or Jin survive, yeah. and, you know, they're just fucking around off, yeah. off world or whatever, and you don't, we don't see them in the Holy Trilogy or any of the f- future films. But I really think it's a bold, it was a bold move to kill everyone. Like, everyone on the Rogue One dies. Ben Mendelsohn dies. Like, Mad Mickelson dies. Like, everybody fucking, like, if they ain't in the fucking, if they ain't in episode four, five, and six, they are dead. I don't really like Sagarari either, too. I was totally on board with that. Like, I'm totally with you on that one. I really don't. I was like, I don't know what they're going for with this. I kind of think I know, but it's like, oh, this is not very that appealing. He's barely in it, so it's like, yeah. okay, all right. But I really love that they killed everybody because, again, I think that they could have showed some restraint, but they were like, no, nah, we're fucking killing everyone. We're, we're, this is over. Like, this is, cause I think it sends this message of sacrifice. And I think that it's like in war, and this is like probably the most warlike Star Wars film. It shows that, yeah, people die in this war and pe- there's sacrifice required in war. And I think it sends pretty solid message about this struggle. Cause like the good guys always seem to win, except in like Empire and Last Jedi, which is kind of a stalemate, but Empire, good guys lose. So I think it shows that, yeah, like, Losing has consequences, and it's all about the greater good and getting the plans to mm-hmm. where they need to be. So I, 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 I really enjoyed that aspect. Okay. Well, there's also, and it goes back to kind of like the whole, you know, they when they do this in in, in the other movies and they make like references to things or whatever. Yeah. When they're on, when they're yeah. uh, in Jeddah, and you yeah. run into Doctor Avazon and. Um, Baba I wrote this street. down. I wrote this down too. I did not like this at all. Didn't like it like, when I saw it the first time. Yeah, like they just throw them in there, and it's like, I mean, cool. I guess that you put these people in there, but you put them. You put so this this is happening in. I I assume this is happening in kind of the, the main story at least, like from Jeddah onward, is happening in the t- same time frame that. So this happens, like, right before the beginning of A New Hope. Three right? days out at max. Like, it's it happens, like, almost immediately right before New Hope. So you, you introduce Amazon and Ponda Baba on Jetta, And yeah. then, right before it gets fucking obliterated by the Empire. So they're just walking around doing whatever, and they just happen to hop on a ship that's leaving because fucking everybody di- everybody dies. Yeah. And then they go to Tatooine. And I don't have a problem with them going like to Like you do. <laughs> but it's just like, why would you put them in here at all? Like, what was the point? Like, yeah. 
that was that was a that was a curveball. I didn't like that. I was like, that just seems so unnecessary. Again, like solo, a lot of things that were unnecessary, and that's like that just again they they do it under this cloud of fan service. But I'm like, would fans have cared if you would cut that out? Would anyone care? Like if you like if they re-released it like George Lucas style and cut out Ponda Baba and Doctor Evazan in there. Like, would anyone care? Like, really, honestly, let's talk about this. Like, would anyone really care? Seriously. Hey, man, I, I watched that movie because I want to know what they're doing. Yeah, and it's it's so dumb. But uh, what else do I have? I have the first Vader scene. He has, like, a really bad joke in it. Like, don't choke on your aspirations. Like, okay, that's kind of lame. But uh, what else do I have? You pretty much nailed all of them. I think the other two, I think Cassian... I'm not really sold on Cassian that well. Cause like, and I had it like Cassian and or question mark. And I had next to it, I had underdeveloped storyline. Like the motivations, I'm, I'm with it. I'm with it for most of it. Like, you know, I understand like, okay, yeah, they're these, this Chirret Imway and Bay's Malbus, like they really shouldn't be there. Like they really shouldn't, but they do it because they're cool characters. They, or they need like, they need a couple other characters to round out this team. Okay, all right, cool. I'm down with that. I know why Bodhi's there. I know Riz Ahmed, yeah. I know why he's there. I know why Jin's there. I know what Cassian's there. I know what K2SO is. Okay, I'm cool with it. But what I have a hard time was like when they're de- they're debating on whether to go to Scarif to get the Death Star plans. And Jin's like pleading. I'm like, oh, that was a quick turn for her. She was kind of like, fuck all of this. I don't care if the Empire rules... I just won't look at the flags like Sagrera asks her, you're cool with those flags right. like everywhere. And she's like, you won't notice if you don't look – if you just look down the entire time. So she was kind of like – but I understand like her dad kind of woken, awoken something there. OK, cool. I'm down with that. But I really don't understand why Cassian and all these rebels just decide to, yeah, we want to make this thing count. It's like, oh, that was kind of a – that's kind of a stretch. Like they just decided to like – come together right now over me like you you know that's kind of quick but so i was like oh mm, all right i know why they have to do this but you know that's kind of i was kind of a little you know glossed over but i was fine with it I, again i love this movie i really enjoy this movie and i think it's really really good because it shows a side of these stories of this universe of this galaxy that we we hadn't really seen up until this point, and we're, I think we're getting we're going to get more of it with the Mandalorian and the new Obi Wan yeah. series that's coming out, like the gritty, grounded stuff. So I'm very, very I enjoyed a lot of that. So, yeah, man, that's all I had to. That's all I had to say. I mean, we're going on two hours now. I, I would give this an A. I really would give it an A, maybe an A minus, but I would give this film an A. Okay, I'd, I'd, I'd give it a B. Yeah, you know, but I've been more conservative with my my ratings. Okay. Out of the five films that we've watched, we're going to rank all ten films at the end of next of part two, which is come out next week on the 18th. Uh, where would you rank these? How would you rank these uh, as they stand? Okay. Worst to best, I would go Attack of the Clones. Okay. And then Phantom Menace. It gets tough. It's tough around this part. This is this is the tough one. Yeah. Right here is the tough one. And then and then Revenge of the Sith and then Solo and then Rogue One. I would flip Revenge of the Sith and Solo. Yeah, that's the toughie. Yeah. They're either tied or I would flip or I'd put Revenge of the Sith, then Rogue One and like 
Solo's third. But I'm with you on Phantom Menace and Attack of Clones. Attack of Clones is by far the worst. Anyone listening, if you meet someone who claims to be a Star Wars fan, and out of the 11 films, like once Rise of Skywalker comes out, out of the 11 films that have come out, if they don't have Attack of the Clones at the very bottom of their list, do not take anything this person says with any credibility. Their credibility is shot. Everyone should have Attack of the Clones, and I'm not just saying that because it's at the bottom of my list. I think that it's – I just don't – I cannot understand anyone who puts Attack of the Clones not at the bottom of the list. So they – I think they're they're just trolling or they're being a contrarian or whatever. But like there's no reason why anyone should put – should not have Attack of the Clones as the last place. Like I'm sorry, but that film is trash. Um, I would I would do that. Out of the five films we discussed, who's your favorite minor character? Favorite minor character in all of those movies? <laughs> Probably Kit Fisto, because of that smile. <laughs> I thought you were going to say K2SO. <laughs> hey, man. <laughs> Poor Kit Fisto gets like... like he, has, he puts up a little bit of a fight, but the, the Emperor fucking kills him right away. Yeah, he fucking like... <laughs> he, gets a, he gets a couple of parries in. Oh, he does. Oh, I, I couldn't remember if he was if 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 he was the one that gets like nine nine hundred degree revolution out of a chair impaled. No, no, no. He kills. So Mace shows up trying to arrest Palpatine with three other Jedi. Like Palpatine, like kills one guy immediately, and then <laughs> he like. He like does another move, kills the other guy immediately, goes for Mace, and then Kit. Kit gets like two parries in, and then he's like killed immediately. But Mace Windu holds his own for a while because Mace Windu is like the best lightsaber dueler in the galaxy. I would probably say uh, I don't really consider Darth Vader a minor character, even though he's, he is like he's not a major character in any of the like Darth Vader, not Anakin Skywalker, but probably Chirrut in way. I know it's kind of weird, but I really dig him. K2SO is really good. I really liked yeah. L3. Uh, what about the prequels? Uh, Darth Maul? He's a minor character, right? Yeah, I, I, I guess so. And Count Dooku's te- Count Dooku's technically a minor character in this. All right, I'm going. I'm going Darth Maul for final answer. Okay. Even I, though I, I really didn't like his cameo in Solo, but he what he what, he, what little we get in Phantom Menace is is pretty fucking badass. <laughs> what an entrance. I mean, honestly, like, he just shows up and he's fucking awesome. Yep. Uh, alright. Okay. What color lightsaber would you have? Probably green. Yeah, I think I'm a green guy as well. Like, yeah. I don't think I have the swag to pull off purple. Yeah. That's reserved. Yeah. You have to, you have to have, like, VIP access for that one. <laughs> uh, okay. If you could have any ship in any of the Star Wars films, I guess any of the canon, what ship would you have? My initial thought is the Millennium Falcon. Yeah. Just because just cause I'm a fanboy. Yeah, it's classic. Uh, but, you know, I don't really know. Like, A-Wings are pretty fucking legit. A-Wings um, are legit. They're better than X-Wings. Yeah, but X-Wings are also cool as shit. Yeah, they're pretty iconic as well, though, yeah. This is an easy one for me. This is so easy for me. <laughs> yeah, I'm thinking I'm thinking I'm thinking I'm just gonna stick with the with the Falcon. Ladies and gentlemen listening, if you have access to the Googles or you know, ask ask Jeeves if you still use that. 
The TIE Interceptor is the coolest ship in all of Star Wars. It's a basically a TIE fighter, but like turned up to a this one goes to eleven. It's fucking <laughs> awesome. Like the TIE Interceptor is so cool. And I would totally like give me that ship. I don't want the TARDIS. I don't want the Falcon. I don't want the Enterprise. I don't want uh what else is there? Maybe a Gundam. A Gundam would be cool. But like if I had to have a ship ship, give me a TIE Interceptor for the win. They're fucking awesome looking. And yeah, anyone, you know, who 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 wants to Google it, just Google TIE Interceptor and you'll understand why I think it's the coolest ship. Or not. But I think it's awesome. Last question, and then we'll call it a night, and we're going to rejoin later on for part two when we get into, obviously, four, five, six, seven, and eight, the better films. Out of these five films we watched, Lucas or whoever had brought you in, like during the script writing process or the production process, what's one change you would have made to one of these films? What's the biggest change you'd be like, I think that needs to happen? And no, you can't just erase Solo from existence, all right? (laughs) So this is something that we talked about the other night that I just had as a thought not too long ago, and it's that there's this weird dichotomy between the original trilogy and the prequel trilogy as far as, like, what is going on in the galaxy. And I feel like there hasn't been enough time for the amount of changes that have happened over that time. Mm. apparently. Yeah, it's like 19 years, right? Yeah, and and the, the amount of stuff that apparently happens in between those times, yeah. uh, in, in that time, it's just like, no, 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 that's not how it works. The thing that I would change would be have all of the stuff that's in the prequel trilogy as more of this is what it was like before what actually happened in the prequel trilogy. So I think um, what you're trying to say is you would stretch the prequels to more of the end of... You would have the prequel start at the Clone Wars. Yeah, I would have the prequel start at the Clone Wars, but I also... I think that the Jedi Order should be dying already yeah. when the Clone Wars happen. Yeah, we didn't really touch on this, but the the Jedi Order... And it's, it's, it's a larger point about arrogance. Their arrogance blinds them as well because they're so confident in their abilities that they don't think that there's no way the Sith could rise up without them knowing. And even when they realize they are losing touch with the Force, they're like, maybe we shouldn't tell anybody about that. Uh, but they're incredibly dumb. And it's 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 rooted in their passiveness and their, like, arrogance, again. Like, the Jedi are so dumb. Like, they're so dumb in this film. Like, there's, like, so many things that are like, y'all can sense a whole bunch of shit, but y'all didn't sense... The giant fucking elephant in the room that's pretending not to be an elephant? But alright, sure, why not, right? Like, Master Yoda, oof. In hindsight, you're like, ooh, Monday morning quarterback, and it's like, ooh, Yoda. You should have saw this shit coming, dude. What the fuck, dude? So yeah, I I totally agree with you on that. There's no reason why they should have, like, episode one, and then ten years later, Attack of the Clones. Like, that, that's, that's, that's poor planning right there, you know? Yeah. And, and then, and then beyond that, like, when you introduce some of these concepts in the original trilogy, and then you go back and you have them explain for whatever reason before that, like, you know, and this is the one that gets me every time, Han, who was alive while there was still a Jedi Order. Yeah, he was, so he was born in 32 BBY. The Empire comes into play 19 BBY. So he was like 13? When that uh-huh. happened, so he, for like, there were formative years 
even though he was like living in Karelia and he was like a scum rat and like like living on the streets, like the Jedi were still very much around. <laughs> yeah, like people knew who the Jedi were on Tatooine. Yeah, exactly. And so you introduce him when they talk about the Force. Luke judges him because he doesn't believe in it, and he's like, "I have never seen anything to make me believe that that happened." But then you go back and you're like, "Oh, but you <laughs> you were alive when they were literally the galaxy sheriffs." Mm-hmm. And then also, your co-pilot is Chewbacca, who has hung out with Yoda before. I mean, that could just be Han being a dick, so there's always that. That's true. Yeah. In which case, fix that shit in Solo. Uh, I'll, I'll link it in the description, but there's a very good reworking of Star Wars. Like, I can't remember the dude's name or what YouTube channel he was, but he did, like... Uh, if he were to redo the prequels, this is how he would change each one and make it a more cohesive overall story. Uh, and so, uh, what is it? Um, oh, belated media. Okay, yeah, belated media. Hold on, I gotta check this dude's name. I wanna give him credit. Okay, so his name's Michael. He's with belated media. I'll put the link in the description, but he offered up a lot of things. I really like the way he restructured them, you know, just as a fan service thing or just a fan thing so it's not official but it was very interesting but one of the things he pointed out that i really really loved he's like why did you kill darth maul at the end of phantom menace so if i had to change one thing it would be keep darth maul throughout even in revenge of the sith like have him go out have him be the bad guy that obi-wan has to fight throughout like, he, he changed that, so I'm kind of cribbing what he offered up, but I really like that change. Like, I was like, you yeah. wasted a really cool character. Like, again, yeah. do, we, we both really like Dooku, and, but it's like, I really think you could have had something with Darth Maul if you had kept him going. Even if you chopped him in half and brought him back with the spider cyber legs like he, he eventually gets. <laughs> like, maybe you could have done something with that. Like, you kind of had a general Grievous. Maybe you could have fused those two characters together or something to that effect. But yeah, I don't know why he did that. That was such like a yeah. uh that was such seems like such a misstep. Yeah, plus it would have been a cool kind of mirror to the whole like you have Darth Vader as the villain yeah. overarching yeah. all of uh the original trilogy yeah. with with the master. Yeah, and just think about how Anakin would have reacted to battling the guy who killed Qui-Gon. Like that could have been something. You know, like that that seems like a misstep. But I mean, we could talk all day about how we would fix them, but um, but we'll look, but unfortunately, we don't have all night because it's it's late. But this has been a lot of fun. This was uh-huh. great. This is a great first part one. Again, everybody, this will be going out on the eleventh. I don't know why I'm telling you that now. It's by the time you hear this, it will be the eleventh, and you will probably be listening if you choose to listen. Uh, we will have an episode coming out on the eighteenth, and we will talk about again four, five, six, seven, eight. I'm really looking forward to that eight because we might tread some. Old ground on that one, but uh, we'll try and keep it limited because we have eight has its own standalone review. So maybe we might focus on four, five, six, and seven. Very interested to see what we come up with, what things we don't like about the Holy Trilogy. That'd be very interesting. Empire is going to be challenging. So that's going to do it for us tonight, guys. Thank you for listening. Please like, subscribe, and share, and stay tuned for part two. Benjamin, as always, you know I love you and I really appreciate you doing this. And I've been looking forward to this like. As soon as, like, they announced that, like, I mean, this was episode nine, so it's obviously the end of this trilogy. But once they announced that it was, like, the end of the Skywalker saga, I was like, oh, shit, we got to, like, 
we got to do this. We Ben and I sure. have to do this. And I thought about bringing someone else in to maybe do like, oh, I'll do the prequels with this folks, these folks, and I'll do the the Holy Trilogy with you, and then maybe the sequel trilogy and the anthology films I'll do with someone else. But I was like, nah, man, Star Wars is me and Ben time. So that's right. This has been me and Ben time, or Ben and I time. Whatever, however you grammar Nazis want to, you know, however you want me to say it, I don't care. All right, that's gonna do it for us tonight, guys. Ben, I'll just talk to you later. Man. I fucking talk to you like yep. every day. So, all right, good Sounds night, good. and thank you for listening, and thank you for being on, man. Yeah, absolutely. All right, I'll catch you later. All right. All right, bye. Bye. Bye.